Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Auto Save Disabled. I'm your host, Caleb Center. Uh, this is me, Trevor King Thick. And uh, we have moved on to the first game in the Gaxbox Game Studios three game series. <laughs> We're going to start it off with a fairly obvious one and a game that me nor Caleb particularly like, but. Okay, look. I don't really like it as much as I used to. But I still don't absolutely hate it. I just dislike it a lot more than I used to. I will put it out there first and foremost. Well, the only reason I ever played it, because whenever I got my 360, it was literally like the one out of the two games that I got with it. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean of course. I mean, I mean, when I first got my, well, not my first Xbox 360, but my, because my first one was the uh, the, the Elite, the black one, mm-hmm. the first gen. Yeah. And it got the Red Ring of Death. <laughs> uh, three rings, actually. Damn. It was dead. <laughs> uh, I was fortunate enough to never have that happen. Only yeah, had one Xbox. So when I got my uh, next Xbox, I think it was the like the second generation of Xbox 360, basically, mm-hmm. uh, where they moved over to where like the eject and the power button were like touch instead mm-hmm. of a button. Uh, I got the. I actually had the uh, Halo Reach edition. I still have it. It's in the closet. But <laughs> uh, so. I will say, out of all the Halos, my favorite was probably... By the way, we're going over Halo. <laughs> I don't know if we've mentioned that yet. <laughs> it's the most obvious Microsoft game to talk about. I mean, obviously. I mean, it's, it's like, what... I mean, it's like, what other big things do they have that's bigger than Halo? Nothing. Exactly. <laughs> it's just Halo. Um... It's like saying whatever big things does Nintendo have that are bigger than Mario and Zelda. Nothing. Exactly. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, like Halo, I'd say out of the Halo is my favorite is probably between Halo Two and Halo Reach, mm. just because Halo Two was actually my first Halo, ironically, on the original Xbox, and then I went back and played Halo One. I uh, didn't like it as much as Halo Two. Mainly because Halo 2 had dual wielding, and no other Halo had that again. (laughs) And then, uh, Halo 3 was okay to me. It wasn't as good as 2, in my opinion, but it's still good. And then, Reach, or yeah, ODST was also right after Halo 3, Halo 3 ODST. That one was okay as well. But Reach and 2 are definitely my favorites. Halo 4 was weird to me. And then... I know I haven't played them past Halo 4, so... Yeah, the only ones I've ever played, I started off with Combat Evolved. But I got, of course, the remastered version of it. Yeah. I played that one. Never played 2. Played 3, 4... Which one are we on now? Infinite. Infinite? Yeah. I played... I think I played 5 as well. I think 5 is where you have that, uh... Uh, you're playing as like that Spartan group that's looking for Chief. Well, no, I didn't play five. You I played, played four. four. Yeah, I, yeah I played that's where four. you fight the uh, like the forerunners or whatever they're called or something like that. Yeah, and you you have to fight the guilty spark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, uh, I honestly, I now that I'm thinking about, it, I think Reach might be a little bit above two for me. But Re- Reach was really fun. Everybody, everybody talks about Reach. Reach was just. A whole it was like a whole different experience compared to the original trilogy, and ODST, because you could you had your own nameless Spartan. It was mm-hmm. before Master Chief happened, and 
you got to customize your person, you know, get new armor pieces and everything like that and equip different abilities rather than just having, you know, this ability or anything like that. Yeah. Or doing like ability you could pick up abilities in the mission still and everything, but still the it had it brought in a whole other feel to it. Form of customization and everything to it and all that and the multiplayer was fun. Uh of course I had the same issue with every Halo game with the multiplayer. It's just the the, the shield mechanic is very annoying. Because <laughs> this basically just devolves into melt the shield and then one tap. Yeah, that's all it is. That's why like most people will just run the the assault rifle and the DMR. They'll just pelt your shield with the assault rifle and then just pop you with the DMR and you're just dead. Mm-hmm. So, or you know you can just run the needler. <laughs> the only gun worth using in that game. <laughs> but uh, anyway, we need to get on get on to the info. Uh, this is definitely probably going to be more than one part. Uh, there's a lot of info here. So, uh, if anybody doesn't know, which would be hard for you not to, Halo is a uh, military sci-fi uh, shooter. Uh, the franchise is currently managed and developed by 343 Industries and owned and published by Xbox Game Studios and primarily taking place in the 26th century. Uh, the franchise centers on conflict between humanity and a variety of alien species, and the artifacts of a long-disappeared race, the Forerunners, play a key role. Uh, the Halo Array uh, are immense, habitable, and ring-shaped uh, super weapons that were created by the Forerunners to destroy the parasitic flood, uh, but which uh, the Alien Covenant mistake for religious artifacts of transcendence. And the series launched with the first-person shooter video game Halo Combat Evolved and its tie-in novel The Fall of Reach in 2001. And the latest main game, Halo Infinite, was released in 2021. Uh, the games in the series are critically acclaimed, uh, with the original considered the Xbox's uh, killer app. <laughs> uh, this led to the term Halo Killer uh, being used to describe console games that uh, aspire or are considered to be better than Halo. Fueled by the success of Halo Combat Evolved and by marketing campaigns from publisher Microsoft, its sequels went on to record uh, to be uh, record-breaking sales. Uh, the games had sold over 81 million copies worldwide with more than $6 billion in franchise grosses and Halo has since become one of the highest grossing media franchises of all time spanning multiple best selling novels graphic novels, comic books, short movies animated movies and feature films as well as other licensed products we're not going to be going over all those we're just worried about the gaming stuff <laughs> I've heard like the like the Halo show is actually kind of bad well, they did the one thing you'd never do. Showed his face. You give a faceless protagonist a face. Because mm-hmm. you know what's going to happen? Nobody's going to like it. Mm-mm. Because when you have something that's faceless, you, in your mind, subconsciously give it a face. Of yeah. how you think they look. Either either you do that or you don't. I mean, that's, there's no in-between. You're, you're, you're this half of people or you're this other half of people. I personally... If somebody is left faceless, my mind tries to kind of use it, like, you know, hearing their voice and everything like that, tries to put together what they might look like. Yeah. And, like, it, it, even, ha- it even happens outside of, like, video games and movies and stuff like that. Like, even if, like, a there's, like, a YouTuber or something I watch, and their, like, whole shtick is that they don't, like, they they don't show their face. Like H2O Delirious. Or, or the Swagger do. Souls. Or The Do. Or The Do. Like, I, I, I have, or, you know, Dado Doya. Yeah. I have this 
stigma of how I think they look. So if they did a face reveal, it would just destroy my reality. <laughs> like with raccoon eyes. Yes, that was not what I was expecting. <laughs> well, I don't. I don't really. My my how I think about it is I don't try and visualize a face. I just see like whenever I just see a shirt and shorts and a guitar, I just I know that's due. Yeah. And like and like whenever someone says due, I don't try to associate a face. I just associate a, a headless body. Yeah. Or, Which I don't. I don't immediately try to associate a face. It's just my mind automatically wants to try and make what they might look like. Yeah. Is all I'm saying. But yeah, like I do the same exact thing. Like if I think of Swagger Souls, I just think of that you know those uh, interviews he's done in a ball of clava. Yeah, <laughs> and like full chain mail and everything. Like that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the plot of Halo. So uh, hundreds of thousands of years ago, the mantle of responsibility uh, belonged to the forerunners. That's the name of a name of something. It's not like a. If there's one thing if if you know if you've played Halo, you know that ships and stuff like that are named really weird mm-hmm. and kind of abstractly. Mm-hmm. Like the Shadow of Intent. Yeah, Shadow of Intent. <laughs> Good band, by the way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have the banner hanging over my bed. <laughs> yeah. uh, however, the Precursors wanted to remove such power from uh, Forerunner hands and give it to the human race. In retaliation, the Forerunners drove the Precursors into extinction. Uh, among the last of the Precursors, uh, one let out a spore hoping for it to spread and repopulate uh, the uh, precursors. It spread like wildfire. However, instead of creating precursors, the spore made a parasite known as the Flood. Uh, the Forerunners uh, fought the Flood, which spread through infestation of sentient life and had overrun much of the Milky Way galaxy, exhausting all other strategies. The Forerunners conceived the Halo Array, uh, which ring-shaped uh, megastructures and weapons of last resort that would destroy all sentient life in, in the galaxy to stop the flood. Uh, delaying as long as they could, the forerunners activated the rings and disappeared. Nearly a hundred thousand years uh, later, in the 26th century, humanity under the uh, ausp- what is that word? Auspices? A-U-S-P-I-C-E-S? I have no idea. I don't know. Under the guise of the United, I was going to change the word of the United Nations Space Command or UNSC, uh, colonizes many worlds thanks to the development of faster-than-light slip space travel. Uh, tensions between the government and colonies uh, desiring independence sparks violent clashes. The UNSC sponsors the Spartan Two project to create an elite group of enhanced super soldiers to suppress the rebellions covertly. Uh, in the year 2525, uh, human worlds come under attack by a theocratic alliance of aliens races known as the Covenant, uh, whose leadership declare human uh, humanity heretics and an affront to their gods, the Forerunners. Um, the Covenant begin a genocidal holy war. Their superior technology and numbers prove decisive advantages. Though effective, the Spartans are too few in numbers to turn the tide of battle in humanity's favor. And after the Covenant invade Reach, the UNSC's last major stronghold besides Earth, uh, Master Chief John 117, is left uh, one of the few remaining Spartans. Uh, the rediscovery of the Halo Rings sets the humans uh, against the Covenant, who believe they are instruments of transcendence, not destruction. And uh, Master Chief and his artificial intelligence, Cortana, are instrumental in the destruction of a Halo Ring to stop the Covenant and the threat of the Flood. 
The Covenant descend into civil war following the expulsion of the Sang Sangeli species. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Sorry if I'm not. <laughs> uh, with many grappling over the revelation that their religion is false. Uh, the disgraced former Covenant uh, Sangeli commander known as the Arbiter, along with the rest of his race, helped the humans destroy the Covenant and stop its leader, Truth, from activating uh, the Halo Array via the Ark. Uh, the Human Covenant War uh, ends, though new conflicts begin to emerge throughout the universe. Keith David helps Master, helps master Chief. Yeah. <laughs> um, wait, was it Keith David in that yeah, game? It's Keith David. Arbiter's always been Keith David, I think. Oh, yeah, Arbiter's Keith David. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Uh, wasn't wasn't the uh, thing that you build in Mass Effect 3 called the Ark as well? Or is that something else? Was it called something else? I can't remember. No, it wasn't the Arbiter. It was a... The Ark. Yeah, I think it was the Ark. I can't remember. I can't remember either off the top of my head right now. But uh, in the post-war era, the UNSC creates a new generation of Spartans. Intentions between the UNSC and colonist rebels resume. Uh, the forerunner, known as the Didact, briefly returns to assert supremacy over humanity, though he is fooled by uh, the Master Chief and Cortana, who is initially believed dead in the attempt. Uh, Cortana's survival, though uh, the forerunner repository through the forerunner repository of knowledge known as the Domain, leads her to break uh, with the UNSC and assert a new hegemony over the galaxy uh, with artificial intelligence, the created in control. Uh, after two years of a scattered war between Cortana and the UNSC, Cortana attacks the Banished, a mercenary organization largely led by the who I'm gonna butcher this. Draw Hanai race. Uh, <laughs> uh, the banished win the, uh, re the resultant conflict, uh, terminating Cortana and battle uh, the UNSC for control of Zeta Halo. Uh, so the original trilogy, which is mainly what everybody knows, unless you're just a super diehard Halo fan. Um, the games of the original Halo trilogy were developed by Bungie and are first-person shooters in which the player experiences most action from the protagonist's perspective. Uh, the first title in the series is Halo Combat Evolved on Xbox, released on November, November 15, 2001, and the game was initially intended to be released for Windows and Mac OS until Microsoft's purchase of Bungie in 2000 led to the game becoming Xbox launch title and delaying any uh, release uh, for personal computers for two years. Oh, my bad. I had a bad hiccup. <laughs> Um, Halo Combat Evolved introduced many gameplay and plot themes common to the whole trilogy. Uh, players battle various aliens on foot and in vehicles to complete objectives. Mid-shooter uh, mechanics. Yeah. <laughs> While attempting to uncover the secrets uh, of the, the Halo ring. Uh, one concept introduced in Halo Combat Evolved is limiting the number of weapons players could carry to two, forcing them to carefully select their preferred armament. Uh, players fight with ranged and melee attacks as well as limited number of grenades. Uh, Bungie refers to the weapons grenades melee format, that's in quotations, as the, quote, golden triangle of Halo, uh, which has remained fundamentally unchanged throughout the trilogy. Uh, in Halo Combat Evolved, the player's health is measured in both uh, hit points and a continuously recharging energy shield. Uh, the sequels forego the hit point system, although it returns in spinoffs. Uh, a Windows and Mac OS uh, export 
was later developed by Gearbox Software and released on September 30th and November 11th, 2003, respectively. Uh, a standalone expansion entitled Halo Custom Edition uh, was released as a Windows exclusive and allowed players to create custom content for the game. Its sequel, Halo 2, uh, was released on the Xbox on November 9th, 2004, and later for Windows Vista on May 17, 2007. God, that feels makes me feel old to say. <laughs> <laughs> Windows Vista. <laughs> uh, for the first time, the game was released in two different editions, a standard edition and uh, with just the game disc and traditional Xbox packaging, and the collector's edition, which is uh, with, with a specifically, uh, or not specifically, specially designed aluminum case, along with an additional bonus DVD, extra booklet, and slightly different user manual, which that's pretty much what all uh, collectors or you know deluxe editions do nowadays. You're going to get a steel case most of the time. Yeah. I mean, I can think of uh, Ghost of Tsushima, I got a steel case. Both of my Persona 5 copies are steel cases. Neo 2. I never got Neo 2 in a steel case. I know. Uh, I know. <laughs> but, yeah, that's just kind of a par for course at this point, which I don't know if they were really the first to do that. But anyway, Halo 2 introduced new gameplay elements, uh, chief uh, among them the ability to hold and fire two weapons simultaneously, known as dual wielding. Unlike its, uh, unlike its predecessor, Halo 2 fully supported online multiplayer via Xbox Live, and the game uses matchmaking to facilitate uh, joining online matches by grouping players looking for certain types of games. Uh, this was a change from the more traditional server list approach, which was used to find matches in online games at this time. Uh, upon release, Halo 2 became the game played by the most people on the Xbox Live service that week, and it retained this title for over two years. Uh, the longest streak any game held, uh, held in that spot. Halo 3 is the final in the original Halo trilogy, ending the story arc be, uh, begun in Halo Combat Evolved, and the game was released on the Xbox 360 on September 25, 2007. Uh, it adds to the series vehicles, uh, weapons, and a class of items called equipment. Uh, the game also includes a limited map editing tool known as the Forge, which allows players to insert game objects such as weapons and vehicles into existing multiplayer uh, map geometry, and players can save a recording of their gameplay sessions and view them as uh, video from any angle. Uh, at E3 2014, Microsoft and 343 Industries announced Halo, the Master Chief Collection, released on uh, November 11, 2014 for the Xbox One, and the game includes a full camp, uh, campaign and multiplayer modes of Halo Combat Evolved, Halo 2, Halo 3, and Halo 4. And uh, the campaign of Halo 3 ODST was later released as downloadable content and was free for those who bought the Master Chief Collection during late 2014. So yeah, that's mainly the part of Halo most people will know. Yeah. Uh, it's just, you know, the first three games and ODST... And I'd say, I'd say mainly also including Reach. I'd say after Halo Reach, you basically get into the the Halo, the people who are you know either really big fans of Halo and have played past Reach, or the people who are have have played up to Reach and are just kind of like meh. Yeah. Like that, I feel like that's how like the Halo 
player base is kind of divided in my opinion because I, I am of the I am of the group that's that was like played up to a reach and was uh, like man because I played four and I was like eh so <laughs> uh, the Reclaimer Saga uh, so following Bungie's uh, split from Microsoft 343 Industries uh, studio established by Microsoft in 2009 took the helm of the Halo franchise 343 had already uh, co-developed the Halo Legends animated series and had overseen production of Halo Reach and 2011's Halo Combat Evolved Anniversary. Uh, the next game in the series, Halo 4, was announced at E3 2011 as the first entry in what uh, would be originally known as the Reclaimer Trilogy. Uh, the game included uh, many staples of previous games such as, a, uh, such as new or redesigned weapon types, uh, an improved map editing tool, and expanded multiplayer uh, options and maps. Halo 4 was released worldwide on November 6, 2012, achieving record sales for the franchise. In a new addition to the series, a story-driven multiplayer campaign titled Spartan Ops was released over the following weeks following Halo 4's release, telling what happened after the end of the main game. Uh, Halo 5 Guardians uh, was released for the Xbox One on October 27, 2015. And the game takes place across many worlds, uh, mainly the Sangeli homeworld, and revolves around Spartan uh, Locke's hunt for the rogue Master Chief who is trying to find Cortana. The third part of the Reclaimer saga, Halo Infinite, was announced during E3 2018, and it brings the focus back to Master Chief and Halo re uh, roots, Halo's roots by taking place on the new Zeta Halo. Uh, the story mainly focuses on exploring the deeper lore of the Halo series, the aftermath of the war with Cortana and battles with the Banished, which didn't they make Infinite kind of open world? Yeah, something like that. I, I remember hearing it, and I was like, "That's kind of weird." Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's because I've just I've always had such a huge just well, well because after I got done playing Halo on my Xbox, because like I said, that was like one of the only games I had. I just really started to get this really big disdain towards Halo, and anytime I see anyone like posting clips of it from like Infinite on TikTok, I'm just like, why? I'm like, I don't know, no, uh-uh. Like none of this is cool. Like it's it hasn't like, changed. My that that's my thing about it is back whenever I was a kid. Well, I'm still technically a kid, but you know, a child. Yeah, back when I was younger, and. It was, you know, fresh and new. It was cool. Mm -hmm. But you got to mix things up sometimes and change things more than a little bit to keep some people invested. I know there are people that can play the same kind of game every damn year. I mean, how the hell do you think Call of Duty sells? 2K. 2K, FIFA, anything like that. They're still selling a lot of games just without changing anything. But... There's, I know there's, just like me and you, there's a lot of people out there that play video games that get tired of games being the same every time they make a new one. Mm -hmm. That's why a lot of games that are starting to kind of dip get re rebuilt, basically. I mean, look at Assassin's Creed. Yeah. After Syndicate, they were like, we gotta do something, and then they made Origins. And it just completely revamped the entire workings of how Assassin's Creed worked. Which one thing that kind of pisses me off about that is that everyone was like, okay, the games are the same. We would really like something different. And Ubisoft was like, here's something different. And everybody was like, that shit, go back to the original. I'm like, go fuck yourself. Honestly, at this point, 
I would not want to go back to the original. Hell no. Nothing about me wants to go back to the original. It's so fucking boring. I mean, I still enjoy the original. It's just... It, it, it's not... It doesn't have this, like... It's old. I mean, it's old, but it's... It's got a certain je ne sais quoi about it that I still like just because of, you know, playing it when I was younger. Like, I... The only... About the only one that I could go back and play would probably be Black Flag. That'd be about it. Because, I mean, I was... There's that little spiel where I was replaying a bunch of them. And... Honestly, the only one I probably couldn't replay again is Assassin's Creed 1. That one, in terms of everything else besides just gameplay, is boring to me. And a lot, a lot of people will disagree with me on that, but the setting is boring. <laughs> it's like, I have deserty town. Let me go to this other deserty town. You kill somebody in this deserty town. Well, you can't... They can't help that they decide to pick the Middle East as their setting. I know. That's all that is. But, I mean, look at Egypt and Origins. That was interesting. That was interesting, yes. But that could have been easily the same problem. Yeah. But it wasn't. And also, you know, technology back then compared to technology when Origins was made, I know there's a lot of different stuff like that, but still. I I think the main thing that really kills it on that one is the color palette. Because you go from white for Altair to brown. For everything else. Light (laughs) light yellow. Gray. <laughs> that, that, that's it. Yeah. But like Origins, like you look everywhere and it's just bustling with color. But so, I know we're off topic here, but my, my main thing that I wish they would change, which I know they're not going to because they're doing that live service shit now. And nobody's happy about that. But my main thing is if they were to keep, you know, making actual games, <laughs> uh, would be to not make them as fucking long as Valhalla. Because Valhalla is legitimately JRPG length. I mean, if you just go from cover to cover, I mean, it's not that bad. I know, but that's the thing. Nobody's going to go from cover to cover. <laughs> I know I'm definitely not going to go from cover to I cover. I mean, well, to me, I mean, don't take the song, then what's the point of complaining whenever you know, like, that you could complete the game in X amount of time, but you choose to play differently? And everything. I mean, granted, I'm the same way. I'll go out and I'll explore and everything. To me, that that's just dessert added to the course and yeah. everything. Well, it, but I really wouldn't complain that it was too long. Kind of like The Witcher. Now, The Witcher, that game, that campaign was fucking long. Yeah, but but I I felt more engaged with The Witcher than Valhalla for some reason. Yeah, I don't know why. It's just it, like to me, Valhalla mainly feels like the length is mainly coming from me running around finding shit. Yeah. That's where a lot of it comes from. Not really coming from doing missions or, uh, you know, com- progressing the story and all that. Because I can't tell you the last damn story mission I've done. It's mainly just be me running around fucking looking for armor and shit. Yeah. <laughs> That's basically what it's been. I have like, fuck, I don't even remember how many hours I have in it right now. But... Like, I think that's the main thing I have a problem with it, is just the fact that it feels like most of the length has come from a variation of padding, in a way, rather than The Witcher, where it was genuinely, you were engaged in the entire process, not just looking around for shit. Like, most of the, like, the length is within side missions or story missions and everything like that, but Valhalla just feels like a lot of it's just me... I'm going to go here and find out whatever this item is. And then, you know, along the way, I'll probably, you know, 
find outposts or something like that to clear out or you know kill the, a few Englishmen. The the usual gameplay loop of mm-hmm. you know the open world action stealth RPG, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. But yeah, back on topic. <laughs> Uh, so, spin-offs for the series. Uh, the success of the main Halo trilogy spurred the creation of spin-off games. Uh, Halo Wars is a real-time strategy game developed by Ensemble Studios for the Xbox 360, set in the year 2531. Uh, the gameplay uh, game takes place 21 years prior to the events of uh, Combat Evolved, and much effort was spent on developing a control scheme that was simple and intuitive. Unlike other console strategy games, uh, the game was announced at... X06 and released in February and March 2009. Uh, in a July 2008 interview with MTV, Microsoft's head of Xbox business, Don Matrick, uh, stated that Bungie was working on a new Halo game for Microsoft independent of other Halo projects. An announcement of the new Halo project was expected at the 2008 E3 game exposition, which Bungie stated, quote, has been building for several months, uh, but was delayed by their publisher, uh, Microsoft. The Halo announcement uh, was to be part of Microsoft's 150-minute E3 presentation and was cut to trim the presentation down to 90 minutes. Uh, Microsoft stated it wanted to give the game its own dedicated event. After the release of an ambiguous teaser trailer on September 25th, the project revealed as Halo 3 Recon later changed to Halo 3 ODST, set between the events of Halo 2 and Halo 3. Uh, Players take control of elite human soldiers uh, called Orbital Drop Shock Troopers, or ODST. Uh, And the game was released on September 22nd, 2009. Isn't that one, like... I watched you play that one, did I not? Yeah, I think you watched me play some of it, yeah. Yeah. Whatever I was playing. I mean, it was still Halo, but it it was different. Yeah, I mean, it was... It wasn't so much run and gun. No, it wasn't. It was... Uh, it had a very interesting gameplay loop to it in the fact that I, I liked the way it, the missions worked in it because it was you were playing as like the one person in the squad and you're like alone mm-hmm. and you're like going through the city and all that and you're like finding things from fights that have happened with other members of your squad mm-hmm. and as you find them you're kind of piecing together what happened and then you finally meet up with them at the end and then the last mission is like you know caught up and not a flashback mission yeah because like the whole game is ba- the whole game is basically flashback missions mm-hmm. that's all it is but it was it was a cool concept and i liked it that and i also like the uh the smg weapon i don't know why i just do um uh, after releasing Halo 3, uh, Bungie decided to create a prequel to the original Halo trilogy. Uh, as the game would take place on a human uh, world doomed to be destroyed, their focus on the environment in the game was extensive. Uh, longtime Halo composers Martin O'Donnell and Michael Salvatore uh, returned to compose Reach's soundtrack, aiming for a more somber sound to coincide with the story. Uh, Reach was announced at the uh, E3 2009. And the first trailer was shown at the 2009 Spike Video Game Awards. Uh, Yeah. That's old, man. I know. (laughs) Players who purchased ODST were eligible to participate in the Reach multiplayer beta in May 2010. And the beta allowed Bungie to gain player feedback for fixing software bugs as well as improving gameplay before finalizing the release. I hate that Spike got, like, shut down. Spike was great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Spike was basically GameStop, but at home. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I mean, I mean, that, I mean that's what it was. I lo- and whenever they didn't do video game stuff, I mean, Spike was still lit. They had some dumb shows on there, though. Uh-huh. Like Mancers. A Thousand Ways, ways to, to Die. die. Uh, Deadliest Warrior. <laughs> it was, all it was was testosterone-fueled bullshit. That's all it was. That's all it was. <laughs> oh, um, I mean, looking back at it, I mean, we can all agree that it, it was dumb as shit. But, I mean, it was just like... It was so fun. Like, because me and Caleb went back and watched like clips from Deadliest Warrior. We're like, that ain't gonna happen. <laughs> no, the things that always killed me... Uh, when I would go back and rewatch like Deadliest Warrior clips is when they do like uh, the ones against like um, like modern day military factions, mm-hmm. and it's like they're trying to figure out which gun is better, and like <laughs> one one guy just happens to be a little bit better shot than the other. So like obviously, I mean he hit more targets. So I mean we gotta get the edge to the uh, the M16. Yeah, and it's like what? <laughs> it's like the M16 versus the AK-47. It's just like he hit more targets, so I guess we gotta give it to the M16. I mean, you really can't make a comparison with that. No, you really can't. Like, I can understand. Like, you can make way better of a comparison, giving a better edge in a fight to like a, two different swords. But when it comes to guns, the gun <laughs> minus like high points and like really cheap, cheaply made guns. Like, if you take your standard, like, M4, your standard uh, AK-47, a standard, like, handgun, yeah. it, it's the gun is as good as its shooter. That, yeah. that's, that's all it is. Yep. <laughs> that, that, that's all it is. But, man, that was some cap. <laughs> um, Microsoft's budget for the marketing campaign of Reach was the largest yet in the series, and created award-winning live-action commercials, action figures, and interactive media to promote the game. Uh, after release, the game grossed uh, $200 million on its first day, setting a new record for the franchise, and Reach additionally sold uh, well internationally, in addition to moving more than 3 million units in the first month in North America. Uh, critical reception was positive, with reviews uh, from GamePro, IGN, and official Xbox Magazine calling it, quote, the best Halo title yet. And the game was Bungie's final work on the Halo re- on a Halo release. Um, in October 2017, 343 developed and released a virtual reality demo title in partnership with Endeavor One called Halo Recruit. Uh, in 2018, 343 partnered with Raw Thrills and uh, Play Mechanics to develop a coin-operated arcade game called Halo Fireteam Raven that was released in the later part of 2018 with Round 1 uh, USA and Dave and & Buster's arcades releasing first. I've which, seen those. Oh, yeah. I've played them. They're actually pretty fun. I've never played, but I've just seen them. But, I mean, it's still, you know, just a basic arcade rails shooter. Yeah. Just like, you know, like the Kong ones with the VR headset and all that. Mm-hmm. Which I do like those. Me and Ellie played some of those while we were in Gatlinburg, the VR ones. Mm-hmm. She did not like it when Spider showed up. <laughs> <laughs> Um, alternative reality games, which if you guys don't, you know, have heard it abbreviated, it's AR games. Uh, not to be confused with uh, AR book tests, uh, which I, I have, you know, I don't think everybody had those. No. Which I, is weird, because, you know, like... I think that was maybe a southern thing. I think it might have been. I mean, I mean, heck, whenever we get done with the podcast, I'll just ask Aaron and them and see what they have to say. <laughs> you need to ask them if they had the fitness grand pacer test as well. <laughs> Everybody had the fitness grand pacer test. The fitness grand pacer test. <laughs> but, yeah, everybody... The fitness grand pacer test is an aerobic test. 
It's a multi-stage anaerobic test. Yeah. Everybody, everybody had the fucking fitness ground pacer test, but not everybody had AR, which AR to me was an abomination. It really was. I mean, I I, I get the shtick of it. It was a force. It was not really force, but coerced kids into reading. Yeah, but the everything. thing is, all I did was use the same books every time because they did nothing against that. So I was just like, all right, all right, it's time to get my AR points up for that party that we're going to take. So let me just grab Lord of the Rings again and Star Wars Episode Three. you know, the big books in the yeah. library. And I was just like, okay. And like while I'm in class, I'll act like I'm reading them. And I'll just take the AR test of nascent because <laughs> I've done it like seven times already. <laughs> uh, which one thing that is interesting, if you read like the the books for the movies, mm-hmm. there's stuff in the books that aren't in the movies. So there oh, yeah. is there, there is well, that. Yeah, yeah, Lord of the Rings and, and the book is way different. Oh, I was talking about for Star, Star Wars, Wars mainly, but of course, there, I mean, of course, Lord of the Rings has stuff in the books, not in the movies. But yeah, uh, alternative reality games uh, have been used to promote the release of Halo games, beginning with the Cortana letters, a series of cryptic email messages circulated by Bungie prior to Halo Combat Evolves release. Uh, I Love Bees was used to promote the release of Halo Two. Uh, the game uh, revolved around a website created by 42 Entertainment, commissioned by Microsoft and endorsed by Bungie. Uh, over the course of the game, audio clips were released that eventually formed a complete five-hour story set on Earth between Halo and Halo 2. Uh, similarly, uh, Iris was used as a viral marketing campaign for the release of Halo 3, and it featured five web servers containing various media files related to the Halo universe. Uh, canceled projects... Uh, several spin-off titles were planned and or rumored uh, for the Game Boy Advanced, Gizmondo, Ultra Mobile PC, and Nintendo DS. Uh, Microsoft announced an episodic video game to be developed by film director Peter Jackson's Wingnut Interactive in 2006. Uh, the game Halo Chronicles was ultimately canceled as part of budget cuts tied to job layoffs in January 2009. And Ensemble Studios uh, developed a Halo-themed massively multiplayer online game, otherwise known as an MMO, uh, often referred to as Titan Project, or just Titan, excuse me. Uh, the project was canceled internally in 2007, uh, between 2007 and 2008, and without a formal announcement from Microsoft. Uh, 343 announced a free-to-play Halo multiplayer game for Windows PC, Halo Online, in 2015, and the game launched with a closed beta test limited to Russia that year. <laughs> uh, the title was developed with Super, uh, Saber Interactive using modified version of Halo 3 engine and published by Innova Systems. And the project was canceled in August of 2016. And players modified the game to circumvent uh, the region limitations and add new content after the project's official cancellation. The El Dirito project uh, saw legal takedowns from... Uh, Microsoft for violating its game usage rules, and despite this, El Dorado's player base uh, remained active, and the modders claimed its popularity hastened Microsoft plans to release a Windows version of Halo, the Master Chief Collection. Uh, other appearances within other uh, games and media. Uh, Halo characters have appeared in tie-ins, such as characters uh, Spartan Nicole 458 and the Arbiter being playable fighters in Dead or Alive 4, and Killer Instinct Season 3, respectively. 
uh, Master Chief uh, was added as a playable character in Fortnite <laughs> alongside a stage inspired by Halo multiplayer map in 2020. Uh, another game, Halo 2600, has the uh, players control Master Chief and fight through 64 screens with varied enemies. It was written by Ed Freeze, former vice president of game publishing at Microsoft in 2010 for the Atari 2600. Uh, the Halo uh, theme tune, uh, my bad. The Halo theme tune was also available as downloadable content for Guitar Hero 3: Legends of Rock. Uh, and in Forza Horizon 4, one level um, has the player racing across the map in the Warthog as the Master Chief, with the Halo ring visible in the sky and Cortana on the radio and various Covenant-based obstacles to avoid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Didn't they also? Oh, well, they had a bunch of... They had, like, the pelicans and stuff flying through the air, too, during that drive. Yeah. So, yeah. I was thinking about that. And they also included, like... Uh, they, they included the pelican in a flight simulator. Yeah, and the, uh, like, the horn sounds. Like, you'd have the warthog horn sound mm-hmm. and everything. I mainly just got... I, you know, I got lucky and got the uh, Windows XP shutdown yeah. noise uh, pretty early. See, so, yeah, I just kind of kept that on my car at all times. Just so that when, you know, when I'm across the finish line, I could just be like... You know, this is the dumbest crap. Uh, so, development uh, development under Bungie, uh, first and foremost. Uh, Bungie was founded in uh, 1991 by Alex uh, Serapian in Chicago, Illinois, uh, who partnered with programmer Jason Jones to market and release Jones's game um, Minotaur The Labyrinth of Crete. Uh, focusing on the Macintosh game market uh, because it was smaller and easier to compete. Uh, Bungie became a a preeminent game developer on the small Apple Macintosh platform. Uh, And what became Halo started as a real-time strategy game for the Mac, originally codenamed Monkey Nuts and Blam, with an exclamation point at the end, Mm. and took place on a hollowed-out world called uh, Solipsis. Uh, The planet eventually became a ring world, and an artist, Paul Russell, suggested the name Halo, which became the game's title. Uh, the first Halo game was announced on July 21st, 1999, during the Macworld Conference and Expo. Uh, it was originally planned to be a real-time strategy game for the Mac and Windows operating systems, but later changed to a third-person action game. On June 19, 2000, uh, Microsoft acquired Bungie and Halo Combat Evolved became the launch title for Xbox video game console. After receiving uh, Xbox development kits, Bungie rewrote the game's engine, heavily altered its presentation, and turned it into a first-person shooter. Uh, and though the first Halo was meant to include an online multiplayer mode, it was excluded because Xbox Live was not yet available. Uh, Halo was not intended to be an Xbox's flagship game due to internal concerns and gaming press criticism, but Microsoft VP of game publishing Ed Freeze did not act on the, the uh, these concerns, and the Xbox's marketing heavily featured Halo, whose green color palette meshed with the console's design scheme. Uh, the success of the game led to a sequel, Halo 2, uh, which was announced on August 8, 2002 at Microsoft's New York City XO2 press event, and it featured improved graphics, new weapons, and a multiplayer mode on Xbox Live. Halo 3 was announced in 2006, E3. Uh, the initial uh, conception for the third game was done before Halo 2 was released in 2004, and it utilized a proprietary in-house graphics engine and employed advanced graphics technologies. They created two more Halo games before uh, becoming independent as part of their deal with Microsoft. 
uh, the ODST being one of them and a pre the prequel Halo Reach in 09 and 010 respectively. Uh, so the 343 development, following the release of Halo 3, Bungie announced it was splitting off from Microsoft and becoming an independent uh, limited liability company, which they later became bought by Sony. Yeah. Uh, while Bungie remained uh, involved in the Halo series by developing games such as ODST and Reach, the rights to Halo remained to Microsoft. Uh, to oversee uh, everything Halo, Microsoft created an internal division 343 Industries, serving as stewards for the franchise. And Frank O'Connor, formerly a Bungie employee, now serves uh, as 343's creative director. Uh, in announcing the formation of 343, uh, Microsoft also announced that Xbox Live would be home to a central hub for Halo content called Halo Waypoint. Uh, Waypoint is accessed from the uh, Xbox 360 dashboard and offers players access to multimedia content in addition to tracking their Halo game career. Uh, O'Connor described Waypoint as intended to be the prime destination for Halo. Uh, the company's first new game, Halo 4, was released on November 6, 2012 to, quote, generally positive reviews. Uh, in December 2014, 343 General Manager Bonnie Ross expressed Microsoft's aim for Halo uh, for the Halo series to last at least 30 more years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, the company later released Halo 5 for the Xbox One on October 28, 2015. And uh, in December 2020, it was announced that the company would be discontinuing support for legacy online services for Halo games operating on the Xbox 360 on January 13, 2022. That was my birthday. <laughs> it was stated that the time and work required to maintain these services was not a proprietary, uh, pr not proprietary, my bad, priority <laughs> compared to the support required for the modern and future Halo titles. The company released Halo Infinite for Windows, Xbox Series X and S, and Xbox One on December 8th, 2021. Uh, the music, which is like probably one of the most recognizable things of Halo, because everybody nowadays has at some point T-posed to the Halo theme. Yeah. I mean... I, I was about to mention that. I'm like, even if you don't know what the Halo theme is, I'm pretty sure you've seen a meme or like a TikTok of someone T-posing to the to the Halo theme. Yeah, the... Oh... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, Martin O'Donnell and uh, Michael Salvatore produced much of the music for Bungie's Halo games. Uh, approached by Bungie to produce uh, something ancient and mysterious for Halo's debut, O'Donnell decided to compose a theme song using Gregorian chant, with him joining in the others to sing the vocal parts. Uh, due to the varying nature of gameplay, uh, the music was designed to use... Uh, uh, to use nature of gameplay, uh, my bad. Golly, man, my dyslexia. Hmm. Give me a second here. Oh. <sighs> Designed to use uh, dynamic changes based on the gameplay. <laughs> Dude, my brain jumbled that sentence up so bad, it's not even funny. <laughs> I was about, I was over here about to have a stroke. I had to stop myself. <laughs> Uh, to afford a more enjoyable uh, listening experience, O'Donnell rearranged portions of the music of Halo into standalone suites, which followed the narrative course of the game for the soundtrack releases. Uh, for Halo 2, the soundtrack included licensed music from Incubus and Breaking Benjamin, alongside the orchestral score Steve Vai performed guitar portions. <laughs> 
which I remember the first time playing Halo 2 and you get to that one mission and blow me away as playing yeah. <laughs> without vocals. <laughs> You're just sitting here killing brutes and just put a bam bam put a bam. <laughs> <laughs> Early uh, 2000s, man. Oh, dude, it was a whole, it was a whole different beast back then. Early 2000s was a whole different beast. You, what's bad about the like? It's it's kind of like the 80s and stuff, and like when it comes to the 90s and early 2000s, you can just tell something came out in that time. Yeah, you can always tell. You can just feel. You you can feel the eighties, you can feel the nineties, you can feel the early two thousands. Like even if something came out in the mid two thousands, it still had some early two thousands angst in it. Oh yeah. Just, I mean, just look at Prince of Persia: Warrior Within. Well, <laughs> to me, the whole angst thing didn't really come, like, didn't really get out of like popular media until probably about, like 2013, 2014. Probably yeah. Yeah, like whenever we were, like. It probably started to decline, decline probably by 2009. Yeah. But it didn't really decline enough. <laughs> yeah, it was, it, was a, it was a downward slope, but it wasn't, it was probably like like a hundred and like 79 degree line. But it just, just it, it was declining, but not at a rapid rate. <laughs> uh, the music of Halo helped spur renewed interest in chant music. Fun fact. Uh, for Halo 2 soundtrack, Producer Niall Rogers and O'Donnell uh, decided to split the music into two separate volumes. The first volume one was released on November 9, 2004, and contained all the themes as well as the inspired by music present in the game featuring Steve Vai, Incubus, Hoobastank, and Breaking Benjamin. And the second release, volume two, contained the rest of the music, which uh, much, much of which was incomplete or not included in the first soundtrack, as the first soundtrack was shipped before the game was released. Uh, Halo 2, unlike its predecessor, was mixed to make uh, to take full advantage of Dolby 5.1 digital surround sound. In 2014, the in-game music was re-recorded and remastered for the Halo 2 anniversary release, which was part of the Master Chief collection, uh, which included remastered versions of all Halo games with Master Chief as a protagonist. Uh, the soundtrack for Halo 3 was released on November 20th, 2007. O'Donnell noted uh, he wanted to bring back the themes from the original game to help uh, tie together the end of the trilogy. Uh, the tracks are presented similarly to the previous soundtrack for Halo 2 in a sweet form. Uh, unlike previous soundtracks uh, where much of the music had been synthesized on computer, the soundtrack for Halo 3 was recorded using a 60-piece orchestra along with a 24-voice chorus. The final soundtrack was recorded by the Northwest Sinfonia at uh, Studio X in Seattle, Washington, and the soundtracks were bundled and released as a box set in December 2008. A soundtrack for Halo 3 ODST was released alongside the game and included many of the tracks from the game. For Bungie's last game in the Halo series, Halo Reach, um, O'Donnell and Michael Salvatore returned to compose the soundtrack, and O'Donnell wrote somber, more visceral music to reflect the darker nature of the campaign and style of the game. As Bungie had been making Halo 3 ODST and Halo Reach at the same time, uh, Martin O'Donnell had also been composing the soundtracks at the same time, but production for the music of Halo Reach uh, did not begin until the, after the release of ODST. The soundtrack was released on iTunes on September 15, 2010, and in a two-disc set on September 28, 2010. Uh, for Halo Wars, the task of creating the game's music fell to uh, Stefan Rippey, uh, Rippy listened to O'Donnell's soundtracks for inspiration and incorporated the Halo 3, uh, theme into parts of his arrangements. 
In addition to synthesized and orchestral components, the composer focused on the choir and piano as essential elements, feeling these were important on creating the halo sound, as he said. Uh, rather than use the Northwest Symphonia, Rippy uh, traveled to Prague and recorded uh, with the Film Harmonic Orchestra before returning to the United States to complete the music. A standalone compact disc and uh, digital download retail version of the soundtrack was announced in January 2009, released on February 17th. Uh, the music of Halo 4 was composed by Neil uh, Davidge and Kazuma Genochi. Uh, the Halo 4 uh, OST was released on October 22nd, 2012, followed by a two-disc special edition on November 6th. And Neil Davidge served as an out-of-house composer for 343, which proved to be very expensive, leading Cosimo Genocci to take over the responsibility of music production for Halo 5 Guardians. And the music by Neil Davidge and Cosimo Genocci uh, for Halo 4 received mixed reviews, uh, being recognized as creative music, but too different from the original Halo formula. Uh, in 2014, Genocci uh, confirmed he would be composing the soundtrack for Halo 5 Guardians. Uh, and on October 30th, 2015, uh, the original uh, soundtrack for the game was released on CD and vinyl. <laughs> and the soundtrack used a 30-person choir located in Prague, uh, Czech Republic. And the orchestral uh, soundtrack was recorded at the Abbey Road studio over uh, the duration of five separate, separate trips. And in 2017, 343 and Creative Studios um, released a sequel to Halo Wars titled Halo Wars 2. And the soundtrack was composed by Gordy Hobb, Brian Lee White, and Brian Trefo under the uh, direction of Paul Lipson, who had helped in the, audio, uh, in the audio and music of nearly every previous Halo title. And the Halo uh, Wars 2 soundtrack featured many melodies from the music that Stefan Rippey had composed for the first Halo Wars, but with new arrangements and more melodies to represent the individual, individual characters. And the original game soundtrack was released on February 17, 2017, and released digitally on February 21, 2017. Whew. Huh. That was a lot. <laughs> so personal opinions. <laughs> Not a big fan of the games. Never really was, except because I was. It was something new that I've never experienced. I was. They, I. I'd never say I was a big fan. But I enjoyed them when I was younger. But as I got, you know, older, they got boring, much like a lot of shooters do. Which mm-hmm. that's just part of what I like to call a, 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 a term I coined for myself, the shooter syndrome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but shooters had to be really interesting for me to really like them. And you'd be hard-pressed for me to ever say that, you know, some of my favorite games ever were, like, Strictly first-person shooters and third-person shooters most of the time. Uh, you know, people might bring up the argument that you know me and you always say that Mass Effect is one of our favorite game franchises, and you know Red Dead and all that. They're like those are shooters, but that's not all they are. Yeah. When it comes to a shooter being boring, most times just because it's only a shooter. Mm-hmm. That's main reason. It has no other elements to it. Just because the combat involves being a third person or first person shooter in any aspect doesn't mean that the whole game is a shooter. Yeah. So now, getting back to personal opinions, like I said, I've never been a big fan. I, as I've gotten older, I, I really don't like them like whatsoever, but they've spawned a good band. Um, they've spawned a lot of good memes. 
Yeah. And everything. Like the whole Dorito Master Chief MLG era of memes <laughs> and stuff like that. That was good. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to lie. The whole Mountain Dew Dorito bullshit with Halo and everything like that was... Now, I never was one for the hype of it, but man, like I said, the whole MLG era gaming, that was, I, I loved it. I loved every minute of it. <laughs> it was just stupid beyond belief. Yeah. <laughs> That's when the internet really started to implode on itself, but. Uh, personal opinions for me, which, I mean, what I, besides what I just said a second ago, is just, they, when I was younger, of course, I liked them. Not so much now. If I was to really play any of them again, it would probably just be Reach. Uh, even though I replayed through the Master Chief collections and stuff not super duper long ago, I'd say still Reach is probably the most enjoyable one. But that's just my opinion on that front. But they... I will say that outside of the games, Halo does have very interesting lore. Yeah. In terms of the books and everything like that, which yeah. that that part I do enjoy of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Halo lore, uh, to me, I don't particularly have to like something in order for me to enjoy the lore. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, that, that, that that's, they, they're two separate things in my opinion. Yeah. Especially when it comes to something being separated, like, in multiple mediums like Halo is. Because yeah. it's not just the games, it's just, it's books, visual, like, visual comics, novels, everything like that. Like, the only Final Fantasy I like is 15, but I still love the lore of all of them. Yeah, I mean. And everything, because it's just, it's interesting. Yeah. Which, 16 is going to be whack. Oh, yeah, I, I, I'm ready for it. Um... I'm just ready for the Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, homie. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, but like, the, the the actual lore of Halo itself is very interesting, and I do enjoy it. Uh, just the the games themselves, they, they're a little repetitive and boring, which most shooters that are strictly shooters have that issue to, to me. Just because there's only so many times I can walk through a corridor or B and shoot enemy A and keep having fun. Yeah. Uh, the only time shooters ever really get super fun is whenever they're like an RPG with shooter elements or like it's like a super in-depth shooting. No, one th- one game that I, one game that I will say and I don't have much time so I'm just going to have to say this that I've always seen a lot of cool things from has always been Titanfall. Titanfall has always been like one of those shooters where I'm like I need to play it, but for some reason I just don't. Well, that's, that's the thing about Titanfall, though, is like it has its own system. Yeah, it's not just the generic shooter system that yeah. most shooters just stick to. It has Crisis its... was a fun shooter. Yeah, I mean Crisis was fun, uh, but it's just there's not a lot of shooters that break away into their own thing. Yeah, they're they're just copy paste with a different skin mm-hmm. most of the time, and it's just incredibly egregious to get through. Yeah. <laughs> Um, that's one of the main reasons I don't really play Call of Duties anymore, <laughs> and I'm not excited for a Call of Duty anymore. Yeah, um, neither am I. I mean, it's, it's like look at me now compared to back when Black Ops One was coming out. Like, <laughs> that's Call of Duty was actually good back then. Yeah, Black Ops One was a lit Which release. I, I, I don't need to, but I do have hopes for Modern Warfare Two. I do have hopes for it. Modern Warfare 2019 was good. Yeah. It was. It just started to get neglected really bad because of Warzone. All Call of Duties are being neglected because of Warzone. Yeah. And so is this one. But I still have some kind of faith in it. I mean, I, I feel like the right, right now all Call of Duties are just kind of 
serving the better purpose of just being part of Warzone. That's it. That's all it is. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if two didn't even have a campaign. Yeah. Which they're going to have one. Yeah. They're going to have one. But anyway, we managed to get through all this in one episode, so that's great. Uh, (laughs) um, But anyway, this has been another episode of Autosave Sable. As always, I'm your host, Caleb Center. And this is me, Trevor King Thick. We'll catch you guys in the next episode. Ciao.